0: If you're using one of the Pew Bibles, that would be on page uh, 978. And if you don't have a Bible, you can take one of those home. We would love you to get into God's Word. So um, if you're able to open uh, your Bible to that passage, Ephesians 4 uh, through 5.2, uh, that will be the passage that we'll read this morning. And uh, recently here at Eastside, we've been talking about how it's important for us to have three things being part of everything that we do as a church to have uh, prayer, uh, evangelism, and discipleship as part of our ministries in everything that we do together. Uh, and there is something that this passage is showing us that will be very important for us to have as part of our, our life together as a church. If you, if you want to be a church that prays, a church that does discipleship, and a church that evangelizes, it's very important that we'll have this in place. Um, this passage is about the lifestyle of the church, the lifestyle that the church needs to have and how it's different from the lifestyle of the world. And one important part of this lifestyle is forgiveness. And this is what we want to talk about this morning, about forgiveness. How forgiveness is important for us as followers of Christ and how forgiveness will be something that will be very important for us to live in unity as a church and to be able to pray and evangelize and do and make disciples the way we are supposed to do. So in this passage, uh, Paul is talking to the Ephesians, and he's telling them that they need to be distinct from unbelievers, that the, the, the way they, li- they live needs to be di- different from the way that they've been living before, knowing Christ. And uh, these are things that we, as followers of Christ, that we, as a church community that wants to be like Christ, we also need to follow these instructions. So um, before I read this, I'll pray b- briefly, and then we'll get into the passage. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for giving us your word. Thank you for speaking to us through your word. And I pray that as we open the Bible this morning, that your spirit will help us to understand what you want to communicate to us. Uh, that you will help us to, to understand uh, your desire for our lives. That you will humble us and help us to grow and learn and change. And I pray that um, you will help us to see uh, how your love has been shown th- to us through Christ, through his life, his death, his resurrection, so that we might be united to him and we might uh, be a church that follows him. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, Ephesians four seventeen starts like this. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as Gentiles do. For we are members of one another. Do not sin in your anger, but uh, do not let the sun go down in your anger. And give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, among, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us, a a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So here at the end of this passage, we see that for us to live like this, to live as a special people, different from the world, forgiveness needs to be part of what we do. We need to have forgiveness uh, in, in our lives, in everything that we do. We were forgiven by God, and because we were forgiven, we are able to extend forgiveness to others. And forgiveness is something that defines the church. Forg- forgiveness defines the church. When we put off, uh, forgiveness calls us to put off bitterness from our hearts and to put on grace. To imitate God in putting off bitterness and putting on grace and letting and extending that grace to people around us. And when Paul is writing to the Ephesians, he says, if if you sin in your anger, and if you let the sun go down in your anger, you will give an opportunity to the devil. If if as a church we'll live forgetting about forgiveness, if we we don't forgive people, if we don't offer forgiveness, if we don't ask people to forgive us, we will be allowing bitterness to grow in our hearts. And we will be giving an opportunity to the devil to work in our midst. And that's not what we want to do. So for us to not let that happen, we need to be constantly forgiving and asking for forgiveness. Uh, In our first year of marriage, Brie and I, we entered marriage thinking that everything would be wonderful and perfect, like most people do. And sure enough, we found out that it's not like that. You, marriage is amazing, it's a gift, uh, it's a blessing, but uh, there is conflict. You, uh, When two sinners get together and start living life together, you will sin against each other, and you will find conflict on the way. Um, and in the beginning, it was hard for us, to, whenever we, we sinned against each other, to ask for, for forgiveness, to talk about what happened and resolve the issue. Um, and that first year, we decided that whenever we had an issue between the two of us, that we would resolve that before the day was over, that before we we go to bed, we're going to figure this out. And that has been really helpful for us to deal with issues, to talk about things, to ask for forgiveness. It kind of forces us to do that. Uh, But uh, it's been challenging. It's challenging to humble yourself, to acknowledge that you have sinned, to face uh, the things that you have done and confess what you have done. It's humbling, it's hard, it's challenging. But if we want to grow in marriage or as a church, this needs to be part of what we do. We need to be constantly asking for forgiveness and forgiving. Uh, John Bunyan, he wrote uh, several books that, were, uh, uh, the mo- uh, that are about the Christian life, and he, he wrote poetry. Uh, his, he was a popular author, and he wrote about forgiveness. Uh, and one of the things that he said about forgiveness is that forgiveness is like flying. It gives us freedom... But it seems impossible for humans. Forgiveness is like flying. It gives us freedom. We can soar and be free. But it's impossible. It seems impossible for humans that have no wings. And yet, forgiveness needs to be part of the life of the church. Forgiveness needs... We need to practice this. We need to do this. Even though it seems impossible for us to do this. Forgiveness is something that seems impossible for us. But... At the end of this message, I hope we'll be able to understand what makes it it possible for humans that have no wings to fly. But before we get to that, uh, let's talk about how forgiveness frees us, frees our prayer, our discipleship, and our evangelism to fly. Like I said in the beginning, these are three things that we as a church want to have as part of all of our ministries. In everything we do, we want to make sure that we are praying we want to make sure that in every ministry that we do, whether it's children's church or youth ministry or anything that we do together, we want to be praying, we want to be making disciples with the people that we are ministering together, and we want to evangelize. We want to share the gospel with people who are not saved. Um, so p- forgiveness is something that will free those three things, prayer, discipleship, and evangelism, to fly. Um, a lack of a lack of forgiveness in our church, a lack of forgiveness in the body of Christ, not only grieves the Holy Spirit, like this passage says, but it also hinders prayer. There are many things that we do that can hinder our prayers. Um, bitterness is something that hinders our prayers. When we are bitter, when we are unwilling to forgive people, that is something that hinders our prayers. Um, in Mark eleven, uh, Mark eleven twenty-five. Uh, we read this. Whenever you pray, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also, who is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. A lack of forgiveness not only hinders our communion with one another, but it also hinders our communion with God. We need to follow the example of God. As He forgives us, we need to forgive one another so that we might be imitators of God, so that we might have communion with Him. And this passage says that even when we pray, even when we are spending our time with God, in communion with God, we need to examine ourselves and see if there is any conflict in our life that we need to deal with, so that our communion with God may be free. So, a lack of forgiveness will hinder our prayers. If we want to pray, if we want to grow in our prayers, we need to pursue a life of forgiveness. A lack of forgiveness will also hinder our discipleship. Uh, Colossians 3.12 says that we are to to live as God's chosen ones. And that as God's chosen ones, we ought to bear with one another and forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven us. For us to live as true disciples of Christ, who bear with one another, who teach one another, who love one another, who build up one another in Christ... We must forgive one another. Bitterness is something that will hinder our discipleship, that will hinder our growth as a church. It also hinders evangelism. Uh, When I was thinking about how uh, bitterness and and a lack of forgiveness hinders evangelism, I I thought about how many times in my life I've been uh, saying something but living something else. We are, like we've been saying here, we are a people that are marked by grace. We were forgiven. Our message, the message of the gospel, is a message of forgiveness. If we want to preach this message, or if we want to proclaim this message of forgiveness, we also need to live it out. And many times in, in my life, I've, I've said things that I, I wasn't living out. Uh, I remember this uh, when I was helping... Uh, my church with um, some years ago with our college ministries. I was helping the youth group with the college ministries, and I was responsible for uh, getting everybody to bring visitors. I was responsible to encourage the other college students to bring visitors to our youth group. And every week I would tell them, Hey guys, we need to bring more people. You need to invite people in your classrooms. You need to bring more people to be part of this. And and I would keep encouraging them and telling them to to bring more visitors. Uh, And this one Sunday, I I remember I was very discouraged because we were together. And we didn't have any visitors there. And I've been telling them, hey, guys, we need to do this. We need to bring visitors. And uh, after that, I started praying about, you know, just our group getting more involved in bringing visitors. And as I was praying and thinking about it, I realized that I was telling people to bring visitors but I wasn't inviting anyone. I was also a student. I was in college. I was. I had opportunities to invite people, but I wasn't inviting anyone because I thought that my job is only to tell other people to invite uh, visitors to come. But I wasn't doing that. I wasn't leading by giving an example. And how many times in our lives do we do that? How many times in our lives we preach a message, but we don't live it out? And this is the same with forgiveness. If we want to evangelize, if we want to share the gospel with people, we need to preach the gospel, we need to proclaim the gospel, but we also need to live it out. And as I said, the gospel is a message of forgiveness. If we if we share a message of forgiveness with people, we need to live a life marked by forgiveness. And many times, this is what we, th- we think. We, we say, I will... Receive God, uh, I will preach the gospel, and, and this is what we, we tell people. You will be forgiven by God. You will receive forgiveness. You will be part of God's family. Uh, God will forgive your sins, and you will be able to forgive others as well when God does that in your life. But I don't have to forgive people. We, we would never say that, but this is the attitude that we have when we share the gospel with people, but we are unwilling to forgive others. So if we want to fly and soar in evangelism, we need to have forgiveness as part of our lives. We need to proclaim the gospel, but we also need to live it out. And we often don't want to forgive people. We often don't think we are able to forgive people because we don't understand what forgiveness truly means. We don't understand the meaning of biblical forgiveness. We have uh, misconceptions in our minds of what forgiveness is supposed to look like. So I thought it would be good for us to take some time to look at it and think about what forgiveness truly is and what forgiveness is not. So the first thing that forgiveness is, uh, forgiveness is a requirement. We are required to forgive. We are commanded to forgive. Uh, in Matthew 18:22, Jesus said that we are supposed to forgive 70 times 7. This This passage is uh, is well known that we are supposed to forgive people 70 times seven, that we are supposed to forgive people um, countless times. So forgiveness is something that is required of us. If we are to live as followers of Christ, this is something that is required of every follower, follower of Christ. The second thing that we have here is that forgiveness is a commitment. Forgiveness is a commitment. A lot of times when we think of forgiveness, we think that forgiveness is just a one-time decision that we make. That one moment I decide to forgive someone, and that's it. And then I don't have to do anything else. That's what forgiveness is. Uh, But forgiveness is more like a commitment. It's a commitment to be kind and tender-hearted to the person who we have forgiven. And a lot of times that is hard. A lot of times when someone has hurt us, we don't want to be kind to them. We don't want to be tender-hearted to them because our hearts are not tender to them. But it is is a commitment that I will choose to be kind and tender-hearted to to this person. It's a commitment to not bring up the issue that we had with this person since we have forgiven them, to harm them, to hurt them. And that is also really hard because a lot of times uh, we are tempted to do this, to to bring up what has happened in the past, to use that against the person who has uh, hurt us But forgiveness is a commitment to not bring it up to harm that person. And forgiveness is a commitment to not share the issue with other people for unnecessary reasons. A lot of times when something happens and we forgive the person, we want to tell people about what has happened. We want to let people know about how hard it was to go through that and just uh, let people understand how evil that person is. But forgiveness is a commitment to not do that, to not share what has happened to, with other people f- for unnecessary reasons. Forgiveness is a commitment to not dwell on the issue. To, a lot of times when you forgive someone and you were hurt by what that person has done to you, that thought will come back to your mind. Sometime, sometimes even years after that has happened, that thought will come back to your mind. But forgiveness is a commitment to not dwell in that. To not let that thought grow in you and start to create roots and grow bitterness in your heart. It's a commitment that when you think of that, you will not let that grow inside of you. The anger and the bitterness that can come when we dwell in things like that and not let that grow in us. Forgiveness is also a request. Uh, It's a request. We need to ask people to forgive us. Whenever we sin against someone, we need to request them to give us their forgiveness. And a lot of times we need to learn how to do this. We need to learn how to ask for people's uh, forgiveness because we don't know how to do this. We, we, we don't know how to ask for forgiveness. And, we, and a lot of times even when we know how to do this, how to ask for forgiveness, we don't want to do this. When we ask for forgiveness, the first thing we need to do is to acknowledge Our sin. We need to acknowledge that we have done something that has offended God first and foremost, but also has offended someone who we have sinned against. We need to acknowledge that what we have done was sinful. And also, after we do that, we need to ask for forgiveness. And asking for forgiveness is not only saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry is something we say when we do something by accident. You know, you you drop water on someone and say, I'm sorry, I didn't want to do that. Asking for forgiveness is different. You need to ask the person to offer you forgiveness. Not only say, I'm sorry for this. And a lot of times when we think we're asking for forgiveness, we, uh, we also add this if. Uh, I'm sorry if I said something that hurt you. I'm sorry if you took it th- this way. And when we do that, what, what we are doing is uh, putting the, the fault of this issue on the person that we are talking to. You know, it's not my fault that you were offended. It's because you are too sensitive. It's not my fault that I have sinned against you. It's you. You you can take uh, whatever I'm putting on you. So we, we, we shouldn't do this kind of thing when we ask for forgiveness. We need to own to what we have done and humbly confess what we have done. Ask the person to offer forgiveness. And then after we ask for forgiveness, we need to change our attitude. That's not where forgiveness stops. That's not where uh, this whole process stops. When we ask for forgiveness, we also need to change our attitude. And that is part of what uh, asking for forgiveness looks like. And the fourth thing that forgiveness is, um, forgiveness is a response to the gospel. Forgiveness is a response to the gospel. The message of the gospel is that God, the creator of the universe, holy, holy, and perfect God sent Christ to die for sinners, people who were unworthy of His love and His grace. And Christ suffered for sinners, and He died for sinners, so that everyone who would put their faith in Jesus would be saved by God, and have our sins forgiven, and have a right standing before God throughout eternity. This is what the Gospel is. That Christ died to save us, to forgive us. God took initiative to come to us to give His Son to die for us so that we might be forgiven. And since we have received such grace, how can we respond to this if not by extending this grace to other people? How can we respond to God's forgiveness if not by extending forgiveness to people who sin against us? We sinned against God. And He chose to pursue us and to save us and to forgive us. And now that we have been saved, now that we have received forgiveness, we are able to extend this forgiveness to others. When people sin against us, we are able to pursue them and to, and to reconcile ourselves to them. And this is what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is a response to the gospel. If we, if we really understand what the gospel is, if we really understand how terrible our sins are, and if we really understand how amazing God's grace and holiness and forgiveness is, how can we not respond to that by also forgiving others? And then when we think about forgiveness, there are things about forgiveness that we assume that are part of biblical forgiveness, but when in reality they are not. So the first thing that forgiveness is not, forgiveness is not forgetting. A lot of times we assume that forgiveness is forgetting. Uh, And and we assume that with good reason. Uh, There is a verse in Hebrews 8, uh, 12, that says that God forgets our sins. So we assume that when we forgive people, we need to forget their sins as well. And we think that we are not able to forgive because we are not able to forget what happened to us. It's just impossible for us to forget that. Uh, but it would be good for us to understand what even what this passage says. When when this passage says, this passage says that God forgets our sins, let's just think about this. God is an all-knowing God. He knows all things. There is nothing that's hidden to God. If God is all-knowing, He knows the future, the past, the present. He knows everything that will happen, everything that has happened. There is nothing that is unknown to God. So that means that He knows our sins. If God is all-knowing, how can this say that God is able to forget our sins? And I think that this is best explained when we uh, try to understand the fact that when God forgives us, He looks at us and He doesn't see our sin in us anymore. Our sin is not the first thing that comes to His mind anymore. The first thing that comes to His mind is who we are in Christ what Christ has made us to be. That when He looks at us, He doesn't think about our sins, When uh, uh, He doesn't bring up our sins when, when we are in communion with Him. And the closest, closest thing to the human experience uh, that we can use to explain what happens when God forgives our sins is really forgetting. It's like God forgot our sins. Even though He knows that we have sinned and He knows all things, when he deals with us, it's like if, it's as if he had forgotten about our sins. What an amazing grace it is to have a relationship with a God that is able to deal with us, not according to our sins, but according to what Christ has done for us. So when we forgive, we don't have to think that we are only able to forgive when we are able to forget what has happened to us. But we are able to forgive when we are able to look at that person and uh, not allow that sin to dwell in that relationship and to destroy that relationship. And not allow that sin to be the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of that person. We don't have to forget things to forgive, but forgive, forgive, for, uh, forgiveness will help us to see people the way God sees them. Another thing that forgiveness is not, forgiveness is not feeling. A lot of times we think we are only able to forgive when we feel like we can forgive that person, when we don't feel the hurt anymore. We assume that forgiveness is feeling-oriented. But forgiveness is not directed by our feelings. Forgiveness is an act of obedience. Because we have been forgiven by God, because we are followers of Christ, we will want to obey Him. And part of obeying God is forgiving people. So if we want to be followers of Christ, this is something that we need to obey. It's a commandment for us to be able to forgive people. And when we obey God, when uh, we have discipline in our spiritual lives, our hearts start to, uh, they become involved in that. Our hearts, they also get involved in what we are doing in our spiritual disciplines. So if we are able to obey God our hearts will follow that. Another thing that forgiveness is not... Forgiveness is not removing consequences. A lot of times that when, we think that, when we think about forgiveness, we think that everything needs to be back how it was before whatever happened. And, and many times that's the goal. Most times that's what we want to, to accomplish. We want reconciliation. We want things to, to be reconciled and reestablished. But many times... What has been done to us is so terrible that it demands consequences in cases of abuse in cases of things that uh, require law reinforcement we cannot remove the consequences we need to do what is necessary for things to to move forward in cases of uh, unsafe situations when people cannot be together anymore uh, when when uh, people who have hurt each other and uh, are not married but cannot be in the same place anymore, you you need to change things. You need to change the way you relate to each other. So in many cases, forgiveness uh, means changing things, means changing the way that you have relationships. Uh, And a lot of times we think we cannot forgive because we cannot get things back to what they were before uh, whatever happened. But uh, that doesn't mean uh, forgiveness. Forgiveness, a lot of times requires consequences as well. And a fourth thing that forgiveness is not, forgiveness is not simply moving on. Oftentimes when we think of forgiveness, we think of of forgiveness as an individualistic action. That I am supposed to forgive people even before they ask me for forgiveness. And I'm supposed to deal with this on my own. And I never have to talk to the person who has sinned against me. And even though it is really good and important for us to have a heart that's ready to forgive, forgiveness is not an in individual action. Forgiveness involve us, it involves the two parties that are involved in the situation, the person who have sinned and the person who have been sinned against. So when we have been sinned against, it's important for us to pursue the person who has sinned against us so that we can talk about what happened, so that we can give the, the person an opportunity to repent and to change and to grow. A lot of times when we assume that forgiveness is something that is only an individual action that we do on our own and we can move on, we don't give the person who has sinned an opportunity to grow. We don't give that person an opportunity to think about their sins and to be able to grow in in the likeness of Christ. So as we think about forgiveness, we need to look for opportunities to talk about what has happened. A lot of times when we have conflicts, and we don't talk about what has happened, we have this tension that is still in that relationship, that doesn't go away. You, you don't feel comfortable. We don't, you don't feel like things are back to where they were supposed to be. And oftentimes that happens because we haven't confronted the, the issue. We haven't talked about the, the issue that happened. But when we talk about things, when we allow people to ask for forgiveness, and we give them forgiveness... We, we are able to find peace and many times we are able to find reconciliation. So forgiveness is something that involves asking for forgiveness and offering forgiveness. We shouldn't think of forgiveness as only an individual act, but something that involves more than me. But even when we know what forgiveness is and when we know what forgiveness is not, it's still hard for us to forgive. But the gospel is the truth that will give us what we need to be able to forgive people. If you were drawing this sermon sermon this morning, uh, when I was a kid, I used to draw the sermon. I used to draw things that would help me remember what the sermon was about. And sometimes I still do that. So if you're drawing the sermon, if you're a kid or an adult that likes to draw when um, we're preaching, still pay attention, but if you're drawing, you would draw... uh, an eagle. So think of an eagle. And this eagle has two big wings. And on each wing of the eagle there will be one truth of the gospel. So when you think about the eagle, this eagle is uh, us flying in forgiveness. And the gospel is, is giving us two wings so that we can fly in forgiveness. So the first wing that you will see in this eagle is this. The Wing number one is what God did for us, what God did for us. And in this passage, we see many things that God has done for us. The first thing that we can, uh, that I want to point out here is that God loved us. In uh, chapter 5, verse 1, it says that we are beloved, that God has loved us. And God's love doesn't depend on what we do and who we are we are not lovable people. We sin, we fall short of God's glory, we insist in doing the same sin again and again and again. Our hearts are bitter many times. We are unwilling to obey God many times. And still, He chose to love us, and He chose to give us a new heart, a heart that's tender to His Word, a heart that's that is uh, being mauled and transformed by by His Spirit, He chose to love unlovable people because He is a loving God. He is a God that loves the unlovable, that love people who don't deserve to be in a relationship with Him. And He pursues us in His love. And then the second thing that we see here here in uh, on verse 2 is that Christ gave Himself... For us as a sacrifice. Christ gave Himself for us as a sacrifice. And when we think of Christ giving Himself for us as a sacrifice, we shouldn't think of Christ just dying hoping that someday someone would believe in Him. When He was dying at the cross, He knew specifically the people who would one day believe in Him. And he chose to die for you, for me, so that we would one day be reconciled to God and be part of his family. He chose to die for us, to reconcile us to God, to forgive us. The third thing that we see in what God has done for us is that God is satisfied with the sacrifice of Christ. In verse 2 here we, we read that, uh, Christ was a sacrifice acceptable to God, a fragrant aroma to God. God is fully satisfied with what Jesus has done to save us. And there is nothing else that we can do to add to what Jesus has done for our salvation. It is, if, it is as if uh, God has had a, a, a cup of wrath that was ready to be poured on us deserving, undeserving sinners, The only thing we deserved was his wrath. And then he gave it to Christ. And Christ drank of that cup. And he left no drop left for us. God is fully satisfied with the sacrifice of Christ. And the fourth thing that God has done for us that encourages us to forgive people is to think about, uh, on verse 1, we see how God made us his children. He's called us beloved children. And thinking about how we were enemies of God, how we chose to sin against God, we chose to wage war against God, and He chose to pursue us and to send His Son to die for us and to reconcile us to Himself, forgive us when we were His enemies. He turned us into His children. What an amazing truth it is to think that enemies of God can be transformed into His beloved children. And that's what He did to us. And the fifth thing that we have here is that God forgave us. God forgave us. On uh, verse uh, chapter 4, verse 32, it says that in Christ, in Christ, God forgave us. What an amazing truth it is for us to think every day about how God forgave us, that we stand forgiven before God. And even though we still struggle with sin, even though we are still not perfect, we have this assurance that in Christ, we are forgiven before God. And when we sin, we can approach God and we can ask for His forgiveness. And because of what Christ has done for us, God is willing to forgive us. So these are the things that God has done for us. So this is the one wing of the ego of forgiveness. And then the other wing is our response to what God has done for us, our response to what God did. On uh, Ephesians 5, 1, that verse 1, we read that we are supposed to be imitators of God, that we are to imitate God, to do what He does. Since we have received such a great forgiveness, how can we not extend forgiveness to others? To be imitators of God, to do what God has done for us, means to extend that forgiveness to people who have sinned against us. And the second thing that I, that I want to point out that is supposed to be our response to the gospel is in verse 2, that we are supposed to walk in love. We're supposed to walk in love. To live in love. To, to live in our love, in, in God's love for us. To walk in His love for us. To think about how great His love for us is in our lives to walk in our love towards God and to walk in love towards one another. love the, the love of God for us and our love for God and for one another needs to be part of our lives. It needs to be part of our, our walk. If we talk about loving God and we talk about God's love, we also need to walk as if we are, uh, we are that message. We cannot only talk the talk, but we also need to walk the walk. And now that we have wings to fly, what God has done for us, and our response to what God has done for us, we need to learn how to fly. So there are three things that we need to do if we want to fly in forgiveness. There are are three things that if we take what God has done for us, and our response to the gospel, then we can fly. The first thing that we need to do is to dwell in what it means to be forgiven by the Father to dwell in what it means to be forgiven by the Father. And we do this by going to Scripture. We do this by going to God's Word and learning about how terrible our sin is and and being reminded of how holy God is. A God that's like no one else. A God that, that has no sin in Himself, around Him and how powerful His mercy is, that this holy God chose to come to save us, to make us pure, to to heal us from the curse of sin. So we dwell in what it means to be forgiven by the Father when we spend time in His Word. We, d- we dwell in what it means to be forgiven by the Father when we think about this every day. When every day I think about the fact That I have been forgiven by a holy God. That even in my sin, God loved me and I I am forgiven by Him. So if we want to dwell in this, if we want to dwell in what it means to be forgiven by God, we need to be in Scripture and we need to think about about our forgiveness and and dwell in this forgiveness every day. We need to, to live with the gospel in our minds every day. The second thing we need to do is to seek forgiveness. Seek forgiveness. Pray, if you have, if you have sinned against someone, um, and even if you don't know that you've done this, pray that God will show that to you. Pray that God will show someone uh, that you need to ask for their forgiveness. A lot of times we, we're just uh, callous to things that we've done. And we don't realize that we have sinned against people. So pray that God will help you to see if you need to ask for someone's forgiveness. And then when you pray, uh, repent of what you have done. And humbly confess to whom you have sinned against. Repent of what you have done and confess to our holy God that you have sinned against Him. But also look for the person that you have sinned against and and confess to them what you have done. And then ask for their forgiveness. Ask for, for God's forgiveness for sinning against Him, but also ask for, for the forgiveness of the person who you have sinned against. And then seek reconciliation. Seek reconciliation. Seek a way uh, to, to restore your relationship with this person, to be able to be in a thriving relationship with that person again. And the third thing we need to do, is to offer forgiveness. When our hearts are bitter and we don't want to offer forgiveness, we need to remember what forgiveness is. We need to remember what, Christ, what God has done for us in Christ. We need to uh, put on a response to the gospel and we need to offer forgiveness to people who have sinned against us. And we do that by praying. Praying that God will give us strength to forgive people. That God will remove the bitterness from our hearts. We do this by cultivating a heart that is ready to forgive, and we do this by talking with truth and love with the person who has sinned against us, even if they don't uh, uh if they even if they don't seek us to talk about this, we'll go and we'll pursue them, and we will talk about this, and we will try to figure this out so that I can say, "I forgive you so offer forgiveness, dwell in what. It means to be forgiven by the Father. Seek forgiveness if you have sinned against someone and offer forgiveness to whoever whoever has sinned against you. And some of you, you have been hurt so badly and so deeply that forgiveness seems impossible. But this poem of uh, John Bunyan about forgiveness helps us to understand how the, the gospel empowers us to forgive. And this is what it says Run, 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 the law commands, but gives us neither feet nor hands. Far better news the gospel brings. It bids us fly and gives us wings. For us to fly with forgiveness as a congregation, we need to have wings, gospel wings, that only the gospel can give us. The gospel is able to make us fly and soar towards a brighter day so that we together as a congregation can live in harmony, in unity, we may walk in love and shine His glory to everyone around us. Let's pray. Father, we are not worthy of the grace we have received from You. We have failed to forgive people who have sinned against us. We have sinned against our brothers and sisters and we have failed to ask them for forgiveness. Lord, please forgive us for the bitterness of our hearts and help us to freely forgive like you have forgiven us in Christ. May your Holy Spirit help us to walk in the road of of repentance and with wings to fly in in, in forgiveness and to fly in forgiving one another. Even now, bring to our minds people who we have sinned against and people who we need to forgive. And help us to have courage to pursue those people so, we, so that we can talk to them and be reconciled to them. And Father, give us strength to forgive one another. Help us to be rooted and grounded in love. Give us strength to comprehend the height and the depth of the love of Christ for us that surpasses all knowledge, that in unity we we may love one another and forgive one another and honor you as a church family. Help us to dwell in your love for us and that your love, your grace, your forgiveness may motivate us to love each other, to offer grace to each other, and to forgive each other. Help us to be your imitators in your image and likeness. And now to you, the one who is able to do far more than we could ever think, according to the power at work within us, be the glory in this church, in the precious name of Christ. Amen.